All right, we are back with part two of the Thomas Fitch Sports Show. And the only thing I didn't get to mention the last time was uh, Michael Dixon, who really did a good job of furthering his Heisman resume. This, to me, this might have been his most impressive game so far. He averaged 50.3 yards per punt and had a 33 and a 34 yard punt, which the only reason they were so short was because he was having to punt from, you know, the 35-ish yard line. And he had a great punt. You know, I call it a pooch punt. And, and you see when he kicks it, he, he barely touches the thing. But, I mean, it was a better throw than probably Ellinger or Bouchelle could have made um, running down the sideline. Maybe Chris Boyd. Someone catches it right at the one. And it's, you know, when he kicks it, like he had a 67-yard punt. When he does that, it's impressive and it's cool to see. However, you know... What I think will impress NFL coaches is the fact that not only can he boot it and kick it really far, but he can also have touch, and he is great at at having touch and getting the ball to land right on the one-yard line or right inside the five. And that, I think, is what's going to help his draft stock more than just being able to kick it really far. Because in the NFL, you can, it's great if you can kick it really far, but sometimes you got to be able to have control because otherwise you'll outkick the coverage. And so... Clearly, he shows he can control how far his kick is. It's not like he's just kicking it 60 yards into the stance. He also had his first punt of the night. He's going straight into the wind, boots at 60 yards. Uh, so really, really just an impressive performance overall. I think his 67-yard punt, I believe it was in the second half, I think that just about seals the Ray Guy Award, which, by the way, um, if you have not voted, there is a link in my bio. Make sure to go and vote Michael Dixon for the Ray Guy Award. Because if you watch the Alabama game, actually, um, this might have cost. So J.K. Scott from Alabama, he's the Alabama punter. Also, the he holds the kicks for them. And um, <coughs> sorry, um, in the game, uh, they were going for a field goal, and he fumbled the snap. I've never seen Michael Dixon fumble the snap. So what that says to me is that that should, I mean, that should absolutely take him out of consideration for the Ray Guy Award, not to mention that he's only averaging about 43 yards per punt. I don't know how he's in this conversation, probably just because he plays for Bama, but this, this, this award should absolutely go to Michael Dixon. If he doesn't, it's a travesty and somehow got rigged. Anyways, that will completely finish Texas football recap for the 2017 season. Um, but let's go and talk about the college football playoff a little bit. Um, cause there was, there were some upsets. Auburn defeats Alabama, uh, Pitt beats Miami. And so let's see how this will shake up my rankings. What I would do, I would put Clemson number one. They just jump up. OU jumps up to number two, Wisconsin to number three and Auburn finishes out at number four. I kept Bama at number five just cause a they're Alabama. And I know, that the committee would like to reward them for being Alabama. I know they like to do that. But also, they only have one loss. And I think it is fascinating the way that this committee works because they, I, they were talking about this today on Pardon My Take, but they were saying Bama could be favored against every team in in the college football playoff and not be in it just because they didn't win the conference. And so it is crazy how big that loss to Auburn was because that – even though they have one less loss than Auburn, they're not getting a chance to play for the SEC championship. 
So, uh, and then I put Georgia six just because, again, Georgia beats Auburn, they're in. So you got you, you know you look at the scenarios. Miami would be seven. They play Clemson on on Saturday in the ACC championship. Again, if Miami beats Clemson, they're more than likely in. Which I would almost I would almost argue to put Alabama ahead of Miami if Miami was to win, just because even though I haven't been super impressed with Alabama, I've been less impressed with Miami. And and so I don't think that'll happen because, again, as we've seen in the past, college football playoff voters, they like to reward winning the conference championship. But I do think Alabama is a better team than Miami. But OU plays TCU. I don't think TCU really has any chance to make it in with two losses. They need a lot of chaos to happen, which I don't, I don't know how possible it is to happen. Um, Wisconsin, they just have to beat Ohio State. And, you know, I think – I don't think a lot of people are giving them the credit that they deserve. But Wisconsin is a good team. And this Ohio State team, I don't know how healthy JT Barrett will be, even though Haskins looked good in, against Michigan, which, which is impressive. And it would be hilarious to see Ohio State make it um, questionably into the college football playoff for the backup quarterback like they did in 2014 when they won it all. But we'll see. Ohio State probably needs – they could use TCU to beat OU. Um, that would help them out. Um, anyways, um, I don't think anybody else really has a chance. Bama, for them to make it in, they would need TCU to beat OU. And I, I don't know. I I think they need that, they need that to happen, and – they need Clemson to just blow out um, Miami. Um, so anyways, that'll take us to the end of college football playoff talk. Let's get to some questions. The first question here comes from Darby Drew. Thoughts on the UT Duke basketball game? Well, um, I want to talk about not just this game, but also the UT Gonzaga game. Both games were Texas lost in overtime uh, against Duke. Texas blew a 16-point lead against Gonzaga. Texas came back from down 21 to tie it. Um, both games show that this is an improved team. It's a team that can hang with just about anybody. But one takeaway is Mo Bamba, it is crazy. You, you look at the difference between uh, Marvin Bagley, who was the number one overall recruit who plays for Duke, and Mo Bamba, who was the number two overall recruit for Texas. Marvin Bagley looks so much better than Bamba. He scored... 30 points against Texas, then 34 against Florida in the PK-80 championship game. Compared to, you look at, Bamba is a great defensive threat. He's kind of this freak athlete. Texas loves to get these freak athletes who do nothing for the school and then go pro and play really well. Look at Miles Turner. Um, I, I think Malik Jefferson, even though he plays football, I think he's a good representation of this athlete who, who really needs somebody to kind of focus his athleticism on playing well. But, Mobamba, he he's great defensively. He um, and, and you see how good he is defensively because he goes out because of foul trouble, and that's how Duke comes back in the game. They start to <clears throat> they start to be able to score again, and so that is the that's what he adds to the offense. But or sorry to the defense, but the offense he just the only place where he can score in the offense is is kind of on putbacks. He can't post up. He has no shot yet, um, and he's just kind of awkward. He gets the ball and he turns it over, or he makes a terrible shot. Um, <coughs> the 
The only thing he's really good at is putting back rebounds, which is fun to watch. But in the Gonzaga game, um, you look at uh, overtime started. Texas gets a, a quick dunk, gets a stop on the defensive end, gets the ball back, gets it in the paint to Bamba. He dribbles it off his foot, and they drive down. And then Bamba gets the foul, and they make an iron one. And the game was over after that. Gonzaga gained, you know, gathered all the momentum that they had lost and went on to win. And so, so the hope for Texas is they shot below, they shot about, I think it was 17% from the three-point line against Duke and still were in a position where they should have won that game. Mo Bamba still needs a lot of development. And this is a team who almost beat the number one and the number 14 team in the nation. So you look at that and you say, if, if Shaka can be a good coach and can develop this team over the season, it is a team who I could see having a good run in the tournament. The thing that worries me the most, um, and this is just going off you know historical stats, which I hate to look at, but statistically and historically, offensive teams are the ones who make runs in the tournament. Texas is not an offensive team. We came back against Gonzaga because we went to the Havoc full-court press and we're able to force turnovers and get transition points. That is how we score. We we started to stall in in overtime because we slowed it down and and weren't able to to score. And when you stop forcing turnovers and you stop being able to get some sort of steal or some sort of block and forcing a transition move, that's where the scoring stalls. And so Shaka is going to have to find a way to get the team to score better. Um, right now, Andrew Jones is the only player who I trust from the three-point line. And <clears throat> he's not even the best, but he had the clutch um, game-tying three uh, at the end of, uh, or to force the Gonzaga game to go into overtime. So, you know, the, the, the question there is, is can we become more of a shooting team? Because at this point, the shooting is, is the exact same as it was last year. The only difference is the defense is better, and it helps that uh, we Bamba and Osakowski are such a threat in the paint, but they need to be, be developed. Anyways, next question is going to go come from David Brandenburg. So his question says, not exactly textures related, but I'd like to hear your opinion on the playoff committee. You think it should be eight teams. How can a team like UCF call themselves a NCAA D1 program, but have no chance to win the national championship game, even after a perfect season. So this is something that I really like to talk about because I really like the idea of an 18 playoff. And so I think the way you could format it a couple different ways, you could either say the top eight teams, but again, um, at, at this point, I, you know, UCF would not be in the top eight teams. So you could do the top eight teams. One thing I would like to see, but it could it could make some people mad, is say uh, the Power Five, every Power Five conference championship or champion gets in there. And so that would be a little bit questionable this year because you could get an Ohio State in there. But again, Ohio State would be in the top eight, but you could get a team like USC in there or whoever, uh, you know, something like that. And so that could frustrate a team like Alabama who might not make it, but again, you would have the top five teams uh, or the, the the Power Five conference winners. Then you would have your top non-Power Five um, team in there. So that would go to UCF this year. And then that would leave two spots for at-large bid, bids. 
at large bids. So you could get maybe Clemson and OU, or sorry, you know, uh, Alabama, maybe Clemson if they lose, or Miami if they lose. <coughs> so something like that. Again, it wouldn't be a perfect system. Um, I would say the flaws in that system is you're adding three uh, more games to um, the season, which could not be the greatest as far as um, player safety. But um, I do think I, don't, I think only only two teams are playing three extra games. The other thing. While I do think that it might bring extra revenue for NCAA, because that's what I've been saying is, you know, who who wouldn't want to watch um, an 18 playoff? I feel like that would bring in a whole lot more ratings. But as far as attending these games, it would be it would cost a lot of money to have to have to go to three different games, and these aren't going to like be cheap games. So one way, um, one solution I have to this system is that. You could have the top four teams host um, a playoff game at their stadium, and that way you can have more of a chance to get more teams, um, or that way you can get fans, you know, to the games, which is closer, and not, ha- not make them have to travel as much. Um, but other than that, I really do like the idea of an eight-team playoff. Unfortunately, I think. I believe it's about 2020 when the 14 playoff is in like a contract until. And so what that means is at this point, we're going to have to wait till then to um, even have a chance of fixing the system. And from, from what I can gather, I don't think as far as the, the people who are in charge of that, I don't think there is a big desire to, to try to add more teams um, I think they like the four-team system. But like I said last week, you know, eight teams or, you know, the eight and nine team, there's a lot less debate over them versus your four and five team. And so that's why I think, and maybe you don't even have to say the top five or the, the power five conference champions. Maybe you just say the top seven and include a non-power five team as long as, you know, they, they're undefeated or maybe have one loss. Because again, you can get in trouble if, if you say you have to put a non-power five team in there, and your best power five team is like a twelve and two Memphis or something, so that is where you can get in trouble. It was we're running out of time for part two, but we have our first ever part three coming up. We're gonna have some more questions. We will be right back.